0: Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your host Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. I'm the Associate Director of Disciples Men, Alex Ruth. Glad to have you with us today. And on today's podcast, we have a very special guest. But I'm going to leave that introduction to the Director of Disciples Men, Greg Alexander. Greg, how are you today?
0: I'm doing great, Alex. It's great to see you as always. And uh, thank you for um, letting me have the privilege of introducing our guest today, Nathan Higginbotham is the uh uh, i'm not sure your real title nathan but i know you're the director of disciples men for the southwest region am i close to your title that's it all right nathan and i've known each other a really long time and uh as i shared in the introduction as a lead up to this in our last podcast i shared for those of you who listened that nathan is one of the most important people in my life and uh we've journeyed together and had some interesting um, wonderful experiences together and um, i've tried to model how to be a christian man and a father and grandfather from the example that he has set uh for me and uh i mean this in a loving way but nathan is sort of like the granddaddy of disciple men's ministry right now i don't mean that as an age category but as longevity in the role and um, the Southwest region is, uh, is the largest region among the 30-some regions we have now, 31 or 32, I'm not really sure. Um, and the Southwest Men's uh, Ministry Program that Nathan has overseen has always been the largest by far of all of the men's programs, both in the number of people who attend retreats. And I think it's fair to say in the kind of Uh, ministry and outreach that they do, and in large measure, this is uh, uh, Nathan's doing, and um, so, Nathan, our history is to let you sort of tell us how you got involved uh, with Disciple Men's Ministry, so can you tell us a little bit of that story?
2: Yes, Uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's not comical, but it's, it's one that's not that unusual in in a way. But let me tell you what happened. In 1967, Claudia and I moved back to Houston. We'd only been gone two years from when we were here before when I was after my six years in the Air Force and I came back to college at the University of Houston. Um, And we walked into a downtown church, Bethany Christian Church. And one of the fellows in our Sunday school class was, he played football in college and he was about 6'5 and weighed close to 300 pounds. And I was still wearing my college ring at the time. And when he introduced himself, I had the emblem of the University of Houston embedded in the (laughs) finger next to where my (laughs) rain was that's how hard he shook hands well that wasn't only what happened when we had the first annual men's retreat he said Nathan I want you to come to us to go to a men's retreat and that was in 1968 because we had just missed the 1967 event and so Scotty Parish drugged me to that retreat. I'd never attended a men's ministry event before. Been to other things, but not that. And so I fell in love with it. That is how I got involved,
0: Scotty Parish. What What year did you start your work on the regional level?
2: 1996.
0: I, I,
2: like it been, I Well, I had been on the the uh, men's cabinet because we had we have areas of course eight did have eight geographical areas and I had been president of the area men twice before that and that's always uh, that person is always on our regional men's cabinet our regional men's board so I had been involved in that two times, probably the earliest was probably in
0: the 70s. I I was thinking it's a little earlier than that, but uh, I think it was in 1997, maybe. I don't think it was 96, 96 or 97, when you had the leadership event that you invited me to attend when we first met. 95. that was 95, okay.
2: 95, March of 1995
0: okay great the fellowship of carpenters had just been completed and uh nathan invited me to come and share some stuff as a part of a leadership development retreat that uh, that they were doing uh, there and that was my very first non-kentucky men's event uh, uh providing any kind of leadership and uh, and uh my unexpected roommate that evening for the weekend was nathan higginbotham and uh, we tell we have a lot of fun with that story either one of us got <laughs> any sleep that night uh, but uh talking about college basketball but uh it was a it was a great time and so um but since 1996 nathan has um has been the one of the one of the most influential leaders in men's ministry for our denomination and and um and that's not something that was just handed to, a, a title handed to him or a designation. That's what was he has earned over the years. I don't know of anybody that carries more respect than Nathan.
2: Nathan, one of the
0: questions one of the questions I want to ask is, I am aware of uh, one of your one of your loves is the border work that you all do uh, as disciple men in the Southwest. And so, could you spend some time sharing some of the history and uh, and your involvement with that ministry?
2: Yes. I, I would be honored to do that and, and very proud. In the 1980s, our area minister was Frank Maybe, and he was deeply involved in refugee ministry, and his love was with Filberto Pereira, who was the director of the Southwest Good Samaritan Ministries. And uh, he He got our whole area, Frank maybe did sorry, involved in collecting rice and sending it down to that ministry, and right away he got I don't know how many of the at that time probably fifty five or sixty churches in in the metropolitan Houston and all the way over to the Louisiana border. 50 60 miles outside of Houston each way. He, I don't remember, I probably have it somewhere in my files because I am a pack rat for keeping (laughs) historical things. Uh, But right away, many churches donated to this fund that was named Disciples Rice by Filiberto. He, He named it that. And so we have continued to do that in terms of, of sending rice down there. And when we started our mission projects in 1996, uh, Frank Maybe was on the board again at that time, and he called me and uh, he said, I'd like for you, Jimmy Mulroy was a builder and he was our first mission project coordinator and so frank said why don't you and jimmy come down to a board meeting i want you to meet the board and i want you to see our dream for the future so we went down there and attended their board meeting uh took us through two of the most influential things in my life in terms of refugee ministry we went to the women's place that where they kept all the immigrants, that potential immigrants, the people that were ex- going in for uh, asylum. Excuse me, I couldn't think of the word. And those women, there must have been 300 of them inside the cages. The looks on their face, looking at Jimmy Mokaroy and me, They had seen Filiberto, but their eyes were just, I just can't describe the emotions in those women's eyes that uh, welcoming, but is there anything you can do for me kind of expressions? And can you please help us? It was that kind of thing. Also, the. the nuns that were there and they the catholic church has worked very closely with filiberto through all of these years and this nun was was already influential enough this was in 96 1996 and she was able to let jimmy and me go in and watch three cases for meeting the judge that day, and, and you guys have read the history, you realize that even now, very high percentage of people that meet the judge are deported. And at that time, it was like 95 or 96% of the people that met the judge would be deported. Two out of those three were given asylum while we were there. Mm-hmm. One was an eighteen-year-old boy, young man, and he had he had been caught with a bunch of other kids that had marijuana. And he had a marijuana cigarette. And the judge he the kid told his story, and the judge said, I'm giving you asylum, and you can stay here in the United States. But, if you even spit on the sidewalk, he says, "You're going to be gone out of this country and But the young kid said, "Judge, thank you. you have saved my life wow. and so then another one was a woman and and a cup had a couple of children, and she was given asylum so anyway that those two things really just Jimmy and I both left saying. We're ready. So our next year, we had our first regional men's project at the church. And we they had a small dorm. We knocked one end out of it and built a a, uh, just built out to the side. We built a new kitchen. We built a couple of bathrooms there and a place to store the disciples rice. So that was our first project in 1997, and uh, it's it's we have now built. Well, you said just talk about getting started, so.
0: No, I No, please. Tell, I, my next question will share some of the other work you all have done because it's significant. Oh,
2: okay. Well, um, that was the first one, and right there at the at the church where Filiberto is a senior minister, and it's in Los Fresnos, right on a main highway that goes to South Padre Island. Thousands of people drive right by it within a block of that church every year going to vacation at South Padre Island. Um, A few years later, we were able to raise funds and buy Five acres of land that's on the old naval base and also was on the largest INS, which is now ICE facility in the United States. And it's about eight, nine, ten miles northeast of Los Fresnos. And it's out in the open space, easily fairly easy access and we built uh, right away our project was to build a two-story building with dorms on the second floor a large kitchen on the first floor and office buildings and now well right away i don't remember how long it was but uh there was a A dentist chair that was donated for doing dental work that was put there on the first floor. And then, of course, with all the dorms and things that were uh, the beds that were upstairs. And consequently, or subsequently, we have built three more facilities. We built a really nice chapel uh, two or three years later there. Uh, And they open that up for anyone that wants to use the chapel around there, uh, other churches, interfaith uh, organizations use that. And uh, about five, six years ago, we built a large meeting hall, about 50 by 100. That is a general purpose meeting hall. And we've built a couple of more extensions with a big kitchen and some more dorms, a much bigger place to store the disciples' rice. And after we, the Coastal Plains area, a couple of the other areas said, oh, that's a great idea. So they grow beans up in the Texas panhandle. And so... 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I forgot how long now, forgive me, they said, Well, we'll call it Disciples Beans. So they started sending bags of beans down there. And Filiberto said, This is wonderful because we can provide two food groups. And they serve the beans and the rice. And a lot of times that's all they eat. So that's. I talk too much, probably, but that's kind of the history. We've built five structures there, and I will say this. We, if Filiberto called and said, Nathan, we've got another real need right now, I'd say, I could get 20 guys. They'd be ready.
0: Wow. Wow. I had the privilege of being there spending a night there uh spent quite a while ago is when uh, before johnny ray retired from director week of compassion and one of the ministries i know nathan that they did and i would like for you to expand on some of the on the scope of the ministries that they do through the southwest good samaritan ministries but one of the ministries that they were doing that i was invited to go see was uh the casita project that they do in mexico on the other side of the border right and uh the hope was is that Kentucky would partner with them and we would start sending work teams down, raise money and send work teams down to build the casitas. And um, it turned out that the airport that we needed to fly into in order to make it cost effective for us to do that closed about a month after we were there. Now, I don't know. Well, I've lost all that. I don't know how all that's done, but it put an end to our our hope. It's just too too far. It costs yeah. us too much to get uh, otherwise. And, um, but I but I was, like you, I was so moved when I visited with the people who that ministry had helped. And when you saw the need, it was just staggering. I mean, it just, you can't help but be transformed by by that. That I know is just one of the ministries that they do there. Can you share a little bit more about, about the breadth and depth of ministry they do through the Southwest Good Samaritan Ministries?
2: Y- yes. One of the things that That Filberto has done for years is provide well the ministry. He doesn't do it personally, but they we have an orphanage that's across in Matamoros, the town that's on the other side of of the border. And at times there'll be 80. Well, there were. I'm not quite sure of the last couple of years just how many children are there. But usually, up until three or four years ago, there were 80 to 100 kids. And the beans and the rice are always sent across the border. And, well, up until, I'll say, four years ago, uh, they could drove drive across the border, take the facilities, uh, work on the casitas, or take food across and feel safe to go back and forth. Filiberto has not been across that border. I know it's been four years since he's ever felt like he could be safe going across that border, even though all all the border guards know Filiberto. I, I have been down there several times, and Filiberto will get a phone call. And it'll be one at a time, INS or ICE people. Uh, you may know Jim Smith, or he just died recently. He was one of our area ministers. His son was a captain in the uh, INS and later ICE. And Jim Smith used to tell me, he said, every person that works knows Filiberto, trusts him, and always is able and willing to call him if they have a real problem, a real question on things. So, but now, Filiberto just can't do it. Wow. That's really sad. But but we still support them. Uh, Doctors, uh, I think we've had Doctors Without Borders have gone across and helped with medical I know they've done some dental. We don't have a dental chair over there. Charlie Gaines as you know is in is a dentist that works in uh, Fort Worth, Arlington. Uh he has helped with with dental. I I think well I'm not sure, I better not say that. I'm not sure whether he donated a chair or us. I know he facilitated getting one of those first chairs. Uh, mm-hmm. some way for the Southwest Goods American Ministries anyway. Uh, those are just two of the the larger things. The, the interfaith group with the, especially the Catholic Church and, and, and they um the, um, let's see, Greg, who is it that has the paralegals? Uh, Mennonites. I think it's the Mennonites. They yeah, provide the right. paralegal service, and uh, they, uh, Phil. When we did our work projects, uh, always we'd have at least one or two worship nights, and Filberto would bring in some of the support group that helps, either a paralegal or one of the Catholic Church members and leaders, and always the. Um, uh, one or two or three or four refugees uh one of the things uh, kind of a sideline uh, oh, excuse me uh, as greg knows uh alex my uh son-in-law well he, he's he's dead now but uh, he was in he was down there on one of our work projects and he's from panama and okay. so we had some peruvian there that Filiberto wanted us to tell their story and Filiberto came to me and he said I need you to get uh, Efren to be the interpreter. He said I really have a hard time understanding Peruvian Spanish and he said I know it's a lot closer to Panamanian Spanish and my son-in-law was quite embarrassed and didn't want to do it but he did it, and and it came out just fine, but that was oh, wow. something that th- those two young ladies that Greg knows that are Katie and Jessica, my granddaughters, they're really proud of that fact that their father <laughs> did that. So, wow, that's neat. Yeah.
0: They're Sorry. also extremely proud of their grandfather too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very much so, very much so. Nathan, as you reflect now over uh, what close to 35 years now, it sounds like my math is correct. And uh, is that right? Yeah.
2: No. yeah, go back to the 80s. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Share with us a couple of your most memorable moments of the work that you've done. I'm particularly interested as your work as the director of regional of the of the, you know, of the regional disciple men in the Southwest, but. What are a couple of your most favorite moments of this work that keep you going?
2: One is probably
0: easy to come up with. We
2: were building some temporary housing on the Navajo Reservation in northern New Mexico uh, in a little town of Tohochi that was on a Catholic mission. Uh, Jim Smith, this area minister that I mentioned, he had West Texas and New Mexico region. And we, as Alex, as you know, that's our other state. But there's only, I bet you we don't have 20 churches in New Mexico now. We had 30 back then. That was in the early 2000s. And so I called Jim and I said, hey, we've got to get out in New Mexico. We're doing these projects, and we've done five or six already in Texas. So we'd like to do something. He said, "Well, we've got a couple of churches that would probably want you to do something, or in their area." But he said they're all retirees; they don't need free labor. (laughs) He said, "But he said Father Middlestat and I are good friends." And he said they always have projects that needed done up there on that navajo reservation so we jimmy and i talked about it and we said wow that's 1200 miles but we want to do something i mean it was almost a farmington almost to four corners Wow. Mm-hmm. and so we did it um we decided and, and these are eight sided figures and Usually, Alex, you probably know, they they want dirt floors. And yep. only have one door, and it has to face the east, and yep. it has to be eight-sided, and you so you have to figure out all this stuff. Well, anyway, we built two of those during the week, even with all those constraints. We got the council to agree that we could put a four- to six-inch, A concrete perimeter so we could at least put a bathroom outside and a kitchen outside that eight-foot, I mean, eight-sided figure inside. The council agreed to it, finally. Wow. and, And we did that. But on Saturday afternoon, we were finishing up. And coming up the hill, it was up a hill uh, on, on one side of the mission. And this woman came up with three other women behind her. You know, it's a matron run society. Yeah. And so she was the representative that was coming up to thank us for what we were doing. And so they said, Who's in charge? And I said, Jimmy Muckleroi. He is our mission project coordinator. Well, Jimmy was the most humble person in this whole world. And he said, no, 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 no. you got to go talk to Nathan. I don't I talk don't <laughs> to anybody about this stuff. And so she came over and she was just saying, God bless you. Well, no, she didn't say God. Uh, she said, we are so blessed by you men coming all the way, some of you well over a thousand miles to come up here and build this temporary housing for us. And yeah. she reached down and picked up a handful of dirt. She held it up and let it start flowing out of her hand and said, may Mother Earth bless you all. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> wow. I still get bumps, chill bumps. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of wow. us have.
2: That's an amazing wow. story. Um, that is
0: the epiphany. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sort of answers my next question that I was going to ask, and that is, if you had men listening here who have not yet committed, who are Christian men but not yet committed to working with disciple men, what would you what would you say to them that that uh, why it's important to work through disciple men. You Again, you gave one just beautiful answer there. But what else would you say to those guys about the importance of being a part of a disciples men's group? Relationships with Christian men
2: that are going out to look for ways to show love and compassion to others and particularly those that don't have the means, either physical or monetarily, to be able to do it for themselves. Some limitation that we as Christian brothers can go, and as Jimmy had on the edge of our trailer, on the side of our trailer, Carpenters for Christ. Oh, yeah. I mean that's a quick and short answer,
0: but yeah, it's a, it's a great one. It's a great one. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've observed over the years, you and I are both great sports fans. As is Alex, uh, Nathan, we you know we love our we love our college, especially our college sports. And okay, and I think sometimes people have an image of men's ministry as it being kind of a place where uh, we glorify weakness or emotion or you know, I mean it's something where where the machoism that characterizes most American men gets checked at the door. And, uh, and the truth cool. is we've worked, we've worked with some people who are strong, vibrant, brilliant, uh, uh, you know, who bring who outside of the context of the church are people who are setting the world on fire, yeah. you know, who are admired by all who, but who are fueled and inspired by their faith in God and how it's been developed through their participation in disciples' men's ministries. We know right. those people. And Nathan, you are one of those people in my judgment. So I want to be real clear about that. And and I, I just I think sometimes people have a misunderstanding that this isn't this isn't about compromising who the world claims you to be. It's about living into who God created you to be. Yes. And it, you know, it's our journey as disciple men in fellowship and relationship one with another. Is really, in my judgment, the only way that happens. Is we bring out the best in each other, and when we do that, we make the world a better place. And I, I am so grateful for your journey and participation in this, and the leadership that you have brought. You've given so much, so much, my friend. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you. I. I will just add that, <clears throat> yes, I, I I love sports. Uh, I played competitive basketball until I hurt my knee when I was forty, and I've coached kids of all ages in church leagues. I um, play, played one year in college, and that's all I I could do, but. Uh, I love the team concept. And Greg, just looking at the men that I have worked with and served, I mean, we yeah, we have tremendous athletes, managers. Uh, it always amazes me uh, that, that also that project, it, we don't have any, I mean, we're all just there as a team to work together. There's no right. ego. Uh, None of that. It's just living the life that we hope Christ has led us to live. And like there was a carpenter that I was on the roof working, putting the, we were finished with all electrical stuff, on that one of those hogans in New Mexico. And he was having to cut all of those angles to make all that plywood come together at the tip and he said oh that's a 17 degree angle and I said wow how did you know that I've had all kinds of trigonometry in my electrical engineering stuff and all that plane geometry and other stuff he said just experience.
0: Wow. He said
2: I just know that's that's the angle and all that and he said it's 17 degrees so anyway that's just another practical example and then we chuck Orr and i are both licensed professional engineers but we couldn't have told you how many degrees <laughs> to cut that piece of wood it
1: comes up to give me a tr- give me a calculator and a slide rule i can figure it out yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Nathan i was wondering if you might uh Kind yeah, of on the spur of the moment. Uh, what are some dreams that you might have uh, for men's ministry for Disciples
2: Men uh, going forward? What what dreams would you have for this ministry? Well, I don't want to try to put numbers on because that's not what we're after. Um, I would just uh, if I had my dream, I would like to have more people, more men that are willing to just let Jesus, the example, guide them into ministry, how little or how large, that would help us educate, encourage, and instill what those of us who have done it, get out of the this ministry that is so, it, it's so, it's hard to describe the feelings and the inspiration that I get anyway from working with these men and seeing them do things that many of them say, I don't, I don't know how I did that. Yeah.
0: I've had the privilege of spending some time uh, with the Disciple Men in the Southwest region, thanks to Nathan. I did get to know Jimmy McElroy and Chuck Orr and uh, and some more of those marvelous guys that you get to hang around with all the time, Nathan, or did. Some of those folks yeah. are still not with us anymore. Right. And uh, uh, just one personal story. the Back in 95, when I attended the leadership event, um, I had only been on the regional staff at Kentucky for about three years at that time. And one of the uh, one of the guys, I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. I'm suffering from, you know, old age. But uh, um, I know his first name was Orlando. And you may remember who it is, Nathan. Uh, um, really neat guy was there. And uh, he had this little pocket leather New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. I'd never seen one before. And a beautiful little little Bible. And uh, and while we were sitting together at a meal, he had a sitting there and I asked him about it, said, where can you get one of those? Because I love to have one of those to carry with me. And we talked for a little bit. Well, at the end of my time, before I left, to, to, you know, to head home, he walked up to me and he handed me that Bible and he had signed it as a, made it a gift to me and and inscribed a blessing for my ministry well that was 30 years ago 35 years ago now and um that's those are the kind of people that nathan has inspired and i know that have inspired nathan over the years and um and again that's one of my great memories uh, uh along with many others from that weekend but uh Oh, that's great, Nathan. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with us. Uh, Again, anybody who knows me knows how important you are to me, and uh, and I am so grateful we've had a chance to to let a much broader audience of disciple men get to know who you are and why they need to know who Nathan Higginbotham is. And uh, and so, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for all you do, Nathan. And uh, again, um, you've inspired me in ways beyond uh, measure. And uh, thanks for being such a great person who follows the Jesus way with every breath you draw. Oh,
2: thank you so much. It's very, it it has been wonderful to be with you too, Greg and Alex. Uh, Thank you so much. This is quite an honor to be with you. I've really enjoyed, I hope I haven't embarrassed you
0: Oh, there's no way you could do that. And and again, it's it's a great great reminder of the breadth and depth of the work that disciples men do. I mean, there are so many unsung heroes, so many untold stories of the difference that disciples men make humble, deeply faithful men with a lot of skills that they share. And in many cases, nobody is ever the wiser. They just do it because that's who they are. And again, Nathan, I know you that you are one of those guys, and that you've spent a lot of time with a whole number of other of those guys,
1: yeah. for whom that
0: kind of humility is 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 uh, they wear it well. And so, uh, Alex, I'll leave it to you to close us out today.
1: And we do thank you for your time. I do appreciate your taking uh, taking the time out to talk with us and tell us some stories that are truly, um, I, I think, representative of what we get out of. Ministry with other men. And so we do definitely thank you for your time with us today. You're
2: welcome. Thank you.
1: And thanks everyone for listening. We'll check back in with you soon here on the Disciples Men Podcast.
0: Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through DisciplesHomeMissions.org.